So I always tell people, you know, get off the estrogens because I've seen people double their testosterone in six weeks and just maintain it, at, you know, from 400 to 800, for example, yeah. uh, just by removing these artificial estrogen chemicals on that top 10 list. Mm. So that's a good start. But then, of course, if you're exposing yourself to heavy metals in some way, you know, you got to get those out of your system. And a surprising number of people have high heavy metals. And then they're on testosterone therapy, but yeah. they never hit the heavy metal problem. So eventually that's going to catch up to them. Okay, that was just a prelude of what's ahead. Dr. Anthony J, PhD. This is the Mark Iron Method. This is episode four, and I'm Mark Iron, your host. Now think about that. These endocrine disrupting chemicals, there's two forms. One, just what I said, but also there's estrogenic disrupting chemicals and they are pushing down on your estrogen receptor and that's not a good thing. They're pervasive. You look right, you look left, there they are. They're in personal care products, essential oils. You won't believe where they are. You have to have a look at this IRS 10 list of his. So... You know, ever since the 40s, you know, as you see on screen there, our testosterone has dropped twofold. But that goes, you know, with our whole hormonal system, feel-good hormones, vasopressin, oxytocin, endorphins, growth hormone, thyroid hormone. It's time to take our power back. You know, I'll be damned if I want to have average results in life. You know, if you want to kick ass, we've got to have energy back, the feel-good hormones back, the pull-down on the lever of the law of attraction, good karma, and all those things that make life amazing, to feel alive again. So, again, this is the Mark Iron Method. I'm Mark Iron, your host. This is episode four. This is Dr. Anthony J, PhD. So without further ado, it's time to get your endocrine system, your hormones, back online. Perfect. and get it out there like it's a pretty big issue like when i spoke to dr ken berry now i had no no i no understanding how pervasive these estrogenics are and their the long-term consequences but it starts out small and it just snowballs over a course of our lifetime to just disastrous you know effects on our metabolism now at the way our brain works and it's just absolutely outstanding that uh, this information is relatively unknown yeah, I know. It was surprising to me too when I kind of bumped into it and it just kept snowballing into it turned it snowballed right into a book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's um it's it's so pervasive. Like tonight I'm cooking uh, roast pork and I normally put it in a plastic oven bag. And I guess that's a no-no. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean shit. Yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. I mean Damn, it's just everywhere. <laughs> it, we're, mention we're, it. Just fire up the pot, the record oh. device and mention it on the podcast. A lot of people have the same issue, you know. Yeah, it, it's uh, it doesn't. You turn left, you turn right. It's it's just crazy where this stuff is lurking. Oh yeah, with the fat. Well, they, they first of all they go with the phthalates, right? Yeah. And and let me know when we start. But well, we can. I mean, oh, that, how about we just start now? All right. Oh, I'll, okay. Rocking on. I'll, yeah. do, I'll do an. <laughs> oh, it says recording. Oh, that was my bad. I just didn't oh, see it said recording. It, it, auto, it automatically records anyway, but I'll edit the first part out. So, like, oh, um, this is my fault. No, I'm so, I'm yeah. sorry. You had a great yeah. intro. I, just, I was like, yeah. well, I could launch right into that. That's all, right. all awesome. <laughs> How about we do this, right? So, sorry about, Dr. Sorry about that, Mark. No, you're, you're cool. Uh, why do you, you believe this information isn't 
mainstream? Why don't a lot of people know about this? Why are our government sitting on their hands about this? Is estrogenics kind of generating massive profits somewhere down the line? Yeah, I think I think that's certainly part of it. But I mean, the other aspect is a lot of scientists aren't actually aware of the problem, and then they're not, you know, combining forces and actually talking about the problem because. When I first got into it, I was doing my PhD on cholesterol and on hormones. Oh, and I kind of bumped into some of this stuff. I bumped into the BPA acting like estrogen. So a lot of people know BPA is bad, right? But they don't realize it's bad because it acts like estrogen, right? But then I discovered even if you get rid of BPA, there's something called phthalates. It's P-H-T-H. So it's a goofy spelling. Not as much people talk about it because it's the spelling and it's just a difficult word. But then that one acts like estrogen. So that was a shock to me, right? And then it just kind of snowballed and, and, and I realized there's more and more of these chemicals. And yes, you can find researchers that just study BPA or they just study BPS, right? Or they just study yeah. BPF or whatever, or they study phthalates or they study parabens or they study all these different estrogen chemicals, but they do it in isolation of each other. Wow. And so when I started piecing it together, I realized all these chemicals, you start to see patterns, right? Like you see uh, infertility, you see weight gains, you see uh, depression, you know, like postpartum depression, you throw those estrogen hormones off. You see a lot of these similar patterns, low testosterone, really similar men and women. And I started piecing those patterns together and recognizing all of these chemicals have that same imprint, the problematic pattern yeah, And then it kind of clicked, like, I need to write a book on this and, and basically compile all this information because nobody was compiling it. So I think mm. the scientists haven't even put it together yet. And some of them have, right? Like, there's certainly, like, there's a guy named Michael Skinner at Washington University, I think. And he, he's a friend of mine. He has 3,000 mice that he grows at any given time. Wow. Yep. And and he does transgenerational studies. So he studies the the, the effects on future generations with atrazine, for example. Yeah, epigenetics. Hmm. And he even gave a TED talk on epigenetics. And, um, and, and his paper, he had a scientific research paper on the inheritance of these health problems from atrazine, from phthalates, from BPA. He tested those three, I think at least. And that was the most cited scientific research paper for like five years in a row. Five years. Well, that's, that's a pretty, so that's, yeah, it's that's, starting, that's important. It's starting, it's starting to click yeah. on right now. Yeah, yeah. How about we um, just touch on your IRS 10 list? You mentioned atrazine there. That's a part of the IRS 10 list. So what do you think of that list are the most pervasive and the most detrimental to, to our health? Yeah, certainly. I mean, atrazine is, has got to be up there depending if it's legal, right? And in Europe, it's totally illegal. Zero is allowed in the drinking water. In America, I mean, they allow 3000 nanograms per liter in our drinking water. What does that um, actually mean in the body? Yeah, exactly. So, well, so our natural estrogen is about 20 for men, wow. yeah. 20 nanograms per liter. And again, well, like nanograms, contrast. yeah. And, and nanograms, you know, they didn't really have great technology 50 years ago and they were barely measuring that and they didn't think it was that big of a deal but i mean women are also about 20 which most people don't realize they range between about 20 and 200 depending on the time of the month but it's not like men are at 20 and women are at like 5,000, right or 20,000, or you know anything crazy it's it's actually similar enough if you mess up these levels men and women get affected 
but atrazine, 3,000 nanograms per liter, same units in the drinking water. And what's really crazy about that, if you have a frog, if you put a frog, a male frog in 300 nanograms per liter of drinking water, and again, just put 300 with at- put 300 of atrazine in there. Excuse me. Yeah. That male frog turns into a female. And <laughs> wow. I mean, and we're and we're drinking yeah. 3,000. You know. 3,000. So clearly, clearly, you have to filter your drinking water. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just has to be done with an activated charcoal. At least activated charcoal does remove that. But that's definitely up on the top top end of the list for that reason right yeah so activated charcoal is a good thing to have in your supplement kit right well that and i just think you need it has to be in your water filtration system because some systems don't have it like some filtration systems they they get iron out or something but they don't Mm. actually have activated charcoal activated charcoal is what binds to these estrogen chemicals right right okay so yeah, make sure that you get filtered water. And um, I guess the, the big concern, like I remember reading your book and I've read it twice and I've only had it for a few days. It's just, it's just could not Thanks. believe yeah. you know, the, the information that you've gotten there and all the, all the, the research behind it. It must have taken an extraordinary amount of time to put this all together. But um, I mean, your, your IRS 10 list, it's, uh, it's quite extensive. And I, I remember reading in it that um, feminization of men and I've got to put my hand up here it's you know I was doing this bit I had no clue that I was even doing this and you mentioned in it that they there's a study on cows right milk and the estrogen in in the milk but um, when uh, they did this study men and boys drank milk. Now, you're probably better off explaining what happened just to give it some context to show you that just one glass of milk can drop down testosterone. Right. Well, I can't even remember the numbers. Do you remember the percentage of how much it dropped? It was pretty substantial. I remember that. Right. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I, yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'll put it, was, I'll put it, it up it was on like, screen then. Yeah, thanks. And it was literally, was it like one hour later or even less? I mean, it was super instantaneous as well, which yeah. most people don't realize. And I th- and it's funny because, you know, there's scientific research papers that talk about male feminization from these artificial estrogen chemicals. Right. But now they've, of course, tried to kind of steer away from that and they call it like gonad deformation and all of this. <laughs> they try and change the words and kind of make them more subtle. But yeah. it's... It, Still is male feminization, whether you change the words around a little bit to be more politically correct or not. Mm. And well, it's, you, if you, I think it's actually you, a factor in all these lockdowns that we're having. You know, people are just, they're just so receptive to kind of going in, along with the flow and doing what they're told. And, you know, there's certainly, there's more aggression, I think, in masculine, in, in males, just historically. Yeah. And in the prisons and all this, I don't think people argue about that. And I think, you know, there's probably more receptivity in females, you know, even in animals and certain mammals. And so you could probably make an argument that people are more receptive yeah. to just basically doing what they're told, like in China, for example, where they do have a lot more of these chemicals. And, you know, and what's funny, too, is actually China is now regulating a lot of these chemicals, even stricter than America. But not all of them, right? By, by no means yeah. are they doing a great job either. Um, but it kind of sets up the population for, you know, for basically giving away our freedoms. 
that's but again, it's a lot. little bit of a, it's a little bit off topic, but it's I think yeah. it's a real issue. Yeah, absolutely. Like in your book, you talked about how I think from the two thousands that um, men in sports are going down and down and down. We're, we're more apathetic. We're just not where we need to be. So, with um, you also mentioned in your book that since I think the forties or the fifties, uh, testosterone in men has has dropped twofold twofold so that's feminization in and of itself and now you can't from what i can understand you can't have gene expression happen that quickly it's got to be something in our environment is that right oh yeah yeah for sure i mean and i I think it's the massachusetts aging study where they actually showed they started checking around 1980 in that particular study and i think the, the average was like 550 or something and then 10 years later, they did another check and the average was literally like 450. And then 10 years later, they did another check and it was like 350. Yeah. And I mean, it was just like <laughs> literally 1% one, 1 every, or, uh, is it 1% every year? So every 10 years, it's 10% or it, it I mean, 10 10%. points or 100, 100 yeah. points every year or every 10 years. It's insane. Yeah. You know? yeah. But that's what we see. So let me just try and get a grip on this. Like these estrogenics come into our system. What does that do to, to our free testosterone? Yeah, well, there's a couple and of things. Fr- right? because- just before you, you, you speak about that, free testosterone is the stuff that goes into the muscle, builds the muscle, and it goes into our brain and makes us feel confident and optimistic. And um, right. when this free testosterone, like when you have like a glass of milk with all this estrogen in it, and you have phytoestrogens or whatever it is, wherever it's coming in from, it's just going to, you know, you're, you're trying to be, you know, a man, make your testosterone, and you have this stuff unbeknownst to you, you put it into your body, and then an hour or so later, what happens to our free testosterone? Yeah, I've, like I say, I've literally done a YouTube video just on that one topic. I think it was like a five-minute video. Yeah. And again, I can't remember the number, but I want to say it's like 300% decline. I'll put it up there. I'll put it up there. Some crazy number. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it because I, I wish I could remember that specific detail, but it definitely yeah. drops, right? I mean, the total drops, yeah. the free drops. And what's crazy about these artificial estrogens, um, they actually b- block the binding of, the, of testosterone to the androgen receptor. So testosterone is pretty simple because it goes in your body and there's only one receptor that it binds. It's called the androgen receptor. Right. I mean, so it's pretty simple. Testosterone in, binds the androgen receptor, causes muscle growth, all those benefits that you talked about. Uh, but estrogen is a little bit more complicated because, of course, there's three estrogens. There's estrone, there's estriol, and there's estradiol. Right. And they might pronounce them differently over, you know, in Australia, but you know, there's three estrogens and, and there's actually two estrogen receptors. There's estrogen receptor alpha and estrogen receptor beta, which I actually didn't go into in my book because I wanted to make it simple. Right. I wanted to keep it kind of at a level that everybody could get in, you know, get understand yeah. easily. So what's but the difference? It's, but it's complicated. Two? Well, yeah. Is, the, is one good, I mean, one bad or something or. Pretty much. I mean, it's, it, it can kind of be oversimplified at that level. And I think that's actu- actually accurate because the alpha receptor for estrogen, it's called estrogen receptor alpha ER alpha. That one's supposed to only be active basically during sexual development, right? Particularly like as a fetus or something like that. And then it's basically supposed to be shut off. There's not really supposed to be a lot of alpha receptor. And then estrogen receptor beta is actually protective, right? Right. 
Um, and so that one protects you against prostate cancer for men. It protects you against breast cancer for women. A lot of other issues. It's actually protective for your brain, protective for your arteries, all kinds of benefits. So actually natural estrogen has some benefits. And most of them are, well, pretty much all of them are through the estrogen receptor beta. Yeah. And this is where the debate comes in with the soy, right? Because some of the vegans, for some reason, vegans really want to adhere to soy being good. They want you to, they want everybody to be on the soy train, even though it, you don't need soy to be a vegan, but for some reason they've embraced <laughs> it. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've been on vegan podcasts, talk to them for like an hour and then they won't air the episode, you know, <laughs> a lot of wasted yeah. time getting invited yeah. on vegan podcasts after I wrote my book and yeah. I've kind of learned for some reason there's a, a roadblock there with the soy. Yeah. The iron but fist. The, yeah. Yeah. The problem is there was a study that they did early on with the soy and they showed that, and this is the one that they'd like to look at. They sh the scientists, at least real vegan scientists, they'll look at this one and they'll say, look, figure one shows when you add soy estrogen, because everybody agrees that soy is estrogen, right? right like yeah. nobody disputes that, <laughs> which is important because yeah. That's at least a good starting block. We can all agree that soy acts like estrogen in your body. But where it gets different is figure one on this particular research study showed that soy estrogen acted on the beta receptor and oh. just a little bit on the alpha receptor. So in other words, it should be super healthy and the alpha receptor was barely activated. So that's no big deal. But those were some like some skin cells or something for one person. And then they tested a couple of or 10 people or whatever. And then they tested a different kind of cell, human cell from different group of people. And, and figure two in that same paper showed like massive alpha activation and no, like barely any beta activation. So exactly <laughs> right, the opposite right. in the same so, paper. So of course the, the researchers said, we have no idea how to interpret yeah. this. It's inconclusive, yeah. but the vegan yeah. researchers have taken that and said, look, soy is super healthy. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, it's very ambiguous, and you really can't draw a conclusion from it. But they have drawn their own conclusion. Yeah, that's yeah, I see so, that happen a lot. Yeah, I see that happen yeah, a lot. Yeah. It's it's it's. But um, how as far as soy goes, I guess like if if you have like your, your Asian soy type, um, you know, is is that going to affect you adversely? Just that one meal. Uh, probably not. I mean, it depends on your gut bacteria. The good thing about the right. plant estrogens is they're real dependent on your gut bacteria, which is a huge assumption these days because most people yeah. are, they, they're pretty much ruining their gut bacteria with a lot of other factors. Um, yeah. but thankfully our ancestors have been exposed to those particular estrogens, the plant estrogens. The games, so, is that the, they act like the phytoestrogens? Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 So, you know, Whereas the artificial, the completely artificial man-made estrogens from the petroleum products like BPA, phthalates, mm. parabens, oxybenzone and the sunscreens in America. Yeah. Do you guys, right. do you guys do oxybenzones over there? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we do, unfortunately. And I've read in your book that it actually bakes onto the estrogen receptor. Right. Holy yeah. The <laughs> ultraviolet, right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to actively, you want to really trigger so, your estrogen. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I also read that um, that particular one, is stored in your fat cells. Oh yeah. All of them. A lot of them. All yeah. of them. All right. Okay. So let me just create this scenario. So you've decided that you want to lose weight and um, 
you, you've decided to do that, you start losing a bit of body fat and all these estrogens are liberated into the fat cells. And I saw uh, a research paper that you, you showed that some human fat cells, have got, I think 16,000, is that right? Nanograms in the fat cells. Oh, so yeah. basically you're flooding your blood with all this estrogen. What's going to happen then? Testosterone, free testosterone goes down. So your brain doesn't work properly. It's like, you know, you lose your will to do the diet and um, mm -hmm. it makes mm -hmm. muscle preservation harder. It makes fat loss harder. It makes everything harder. And, and you're fighting this, trying to lose weight. And then you've got all these estrogens being flooded into the system. Is that a fair call? Oh yeah, you got it exactly. I mean, I can tell you read the book carefully. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I and and that's that's yeah. a huge epiphany. Even for me, when I was kind of going through this process and learning about this, writing the book and, you know, the average life of a fat cell is a year and a half, which they've discovered from these mm -hmm. atomic bomb studies, you know, and there were people got exposed to radiation. Right. But they found fat cells that can survive in mm -hmm. your body 10 years. And so if you're loading up these fat cells with all these and estrogen geez. chemicals, yeah. And so if you're loading the, the fat cells with estrogen chemicals, those chemicals are sitting in the cell saying, hey, hang on to fat. Don't get rid of fat, right? So yeah. on top of all this problems with demotivation, with empathy, all that stuff you talked about with lower testosterone, which is true, then the fat cells also don't want to get rid of the fat. And then even if they do, they're, you know, <laughs> it's it's dumping more of this <laughs> blood you know and it's it's just a vicious cycle so it, it it causes a lot of weight gain plateaus and that's where the sauna mm. actually comes in you know people look for practical ideas to accelerate this the sauna is phenomenal right, okay so you can you can leverage heat is that uh, yep. so a, a sauna exercise i guess would help as well but it does yeah. uh Taking activated charcoal, would that help in any way while you're trying to lose weight? Maybe, yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell because, you know, that's it's going to stay in your gut, right? The activated charcoal is not going to go into your bloodstream and actually remove these chemicals okay. and it's, it's not going to get in your fat. Yeah. But, I mean transiently for a little while i think it's probably worth doing i wouldn't do it long term because it'll actually pull vitamins as well out of your gut so in the long term oh, yeah. you might end up with some issues but again once in a while um the thing that's really striking they did a skin patch study with it's like a nicotine patch without the nicotine right and they had groups of people that went in the sauna and groups of people that didn't sit in saunas and the people that went in the sauna they sweated out loads of BPA, loads of phthalates, all these estrogen chemicals. And the people that didn't go in the sauna, they didn't have any of that stuff. Right. And, yep. and neither group was peeing out very much, right? There was hardly any in the urine. So you're actually sweating out more BPA than you're peeing out most of the time. Okay, okay. That's, that, that's interesting. So I, I've also heard another doctor talk about that you have to use a certain type of soap to get that off. Um, and uh, mm. there's another double whammy, I guess, because soaps are full of this shit, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really have to be a certain kind. It just has to be, it has to a certain kind yeah <laughs> yeah that's right so if um that's that's a that's a double whammy like you, you're sweating it out then you're putting it back on with the wrong type of soap yep. and, yeah um, people to, think to, you're washing it yeah but it sticks on your it prefers to stay on your skin than to wash down the drain so yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense because the soaps are full of fats as well 
those mm-hmm. fats, you know, like you get on testosterone replacement therapy, you use creams, you rub it on, rub it onto your skin and it goes into you. So these soaps are doing exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. They, they go penetrate your skin. And next thing you know, you've got all this estrogen floating around in your, in your system. Right. <laughs> and uh, you right. know, as that's that, as that study that, um, I'll put it up on screen there for the listeners as well. Uh, with that milk study one hour and it's, it's just destructive, you know, de- completely annihilating your free testosterone. So, and that's, the, we're, we're talking not just men here, but also women. It's extremely important for women. Is that right too? Oh yeah. Yeah. I just had a woman literally, as you know, I just got off the phone with a DNA consult because I look at people's gen- genetics too, because there's a lot of genetic variation. Some people can get away with a lot a lot of crap in their systems. Obviously, it's still not ideal for their epigenetics, but they can tolerate a lot more. Some people have really low tolerance, and I can look at the genes and predict and help out. Um, and uh, this particular woman, she was on to she's thirty something years old, young thirties. Wow. Yep. And she's on testosterone replacement already because basically she had none, and uh, mm. and it was making a massive improvement in her life. Like she. She had lost her cycles. They call it amenorrhea. She had, you know, like all kinds of issues, brittle bones, you know, like just a bunch of problems. And this testosterone was really, really pulling her up, you know, it was really helping her. Mm. So I'm a huge fan in that situation, obviously. But what should women's levels be at? Like, um, I think men's, you know, my age, I'm 49. So I guess mine should be around about 800 if, if I'm correct. Yeah, that's, I mean... The, the most doctor, if you get below 500, I think it's a, pro- a big problem. Better fix it, you know, like immediately. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. If you're 800, that's awesome. If you're 1,000, yeah. that's super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to achieve, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah but, yeah. and I, I think, you know, if you look at the paleo records, and I mentioned this in my book, you know, mm-hmm. just looking at the bone structures, because there's a different bone structure if your testosterone is higher, particularly in the mm-hmm. facial bones. You can actually extrapolate and determine what the testosterone may have been back then. It was certainly around a thousand or higher. It was probably even 2000. But um, for women, it certainly shouldn't be zero. (laughs) Let's start there (laughs) because uh, a lot of these blood tests, they'll actually put a, like it'll say like zero to 40 or it'll say like zero to 80 or something like that, which is, and, or even lower, right? It'll be like zero to 10 and it's completely absurd. Um, so if you come in at zero, I don't care what the blood test, and that's a big caveat people need to know. And you, I'm sure you've been talking about this too, where you can't trust the ranges on a lot of these things, like the vitamin D average range, you know, or normal range. I mean, it's not optimal. It's normal. Most people these days are obese. They're unhealthy. That's not a good situation. You don't want to be in that normal range in certain situations. Testosterone is a good example. Vitamin yeah. D is a good example, estrogen sometimes, right? So, um, but yeah, I think, you know, just be on the higher end of the range. That's probably the best way to do it with these sex hormones. Yeah, yeah like I, I'm, I, the range is just so wide. There's a big juxtaposition. Uh, like vitamin D is a big, big problem too, because I know that um, DHA is a vitamin mm-hmm. D dependent enzymatic reaction. So if you don't have enough vitamin D circulating around, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to produce testosterone in and of itself. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've done studies. I was, I was giving a talk for the special forces in America recently. And one of the scientists was giving a vitamin D talk on the importance of using it to bump your testosterone up. Yeah. So 
you know, it certainly can. And, and it does if you're really abysmal. And, and again, and there's always that, like, it's okay, so whatever. But yeah. these guys at that level, they're going for optimal. They're not messing around, you know? No, no, that's, we should be going for optimal too. Like I know with my, my doctor a few years back before I kind of upgraded to another doctor, all he was worried about was just ticking the boxes and getting it in, in normal ranges. And um, I didn't feel good in normal ranges didn't work for me at all. So I had to work with someone else to get, you know, high normal is where you want it. That's where you feel good. That's where the energy picks up, but it's, it's, it's also about vitamin status. A lot of people, I don't believe about vitamin status. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, the vitamins and minerals keep all the systems working. If you don't have that in the body 24 seven, the body's not going to have all these pathways, androgens and energy pathways working. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, every once in a while, I mean, the, one of the confounding factors sometimes with testosterone, it's a little off topic of estrogen, but it's worth bringing up is the heavy metals because all the heavy metals lower testosterone. I've looked really closely into this. I've picked apart each thing, you know, like cobalt, chromium, cadmium, you know, you just go down the line and, <laughs> and if you, if you can find a testosterone study, because of course they haven't studied all of them, but it's such a consistent pattern of lowering testosterone. So I always tell people, you know, get off the estrogens because I've seen people double their testosterone in six weeks and just maintain it, at, you know, from 400 to 800, for example, yeah. uh, just by removing these artificial estrogen chemicals on that top 10 list. Mm. So that's a good start. But then, of course, if you're exposing yourself to heavy metals in some way, you know, you got to get those out of your system. And a surprising number of people have high heavy metals and then they're on testosterone therapy, but yeah. they never the heavy metal problem so eventually that's going to catch up to them you yeah, know what i mean so yeah. so that's that's kind of counteracting some of the vitamin mineral stuff because even even like nickel uh or uh some of these other like manganese you know some of these other micro minerals they'll mm-hmm. actually lower testosterone if you consistently keep those high really yeah okay. now zinc is an exception magnesium is an magnesium is an exception calcium is an exception those you can keep them high and they won't lower they'll actually raise your testosterone especially zinc yep um but some of these other micro minerals that you just barely need a little bit they surprisingly often lower testosterone right so people okay. should at least be aware that's the only caveat i think with the vitamins and minerals yeah. other you know <laughs> i'd get high <laughs> yeah yeah so definitely optimizing for vitamins and minerals is, is, is important, especially vitamin D, but also vitamin A that plays into testosterone, that, that pathway as well, I believe too. So yeah, and people, yeah. you know, well, and uh, let me just jump in on that because mm-hmm. there's a, there's a genetic variant that a lot of people have. It's, it's a BCO1 gene. Um, and there's like a couple different versions of the BCO1 gene. And a lot of people have a poor ability, like a 70% reduced conversion of beta carotene to retinol. So mm-hmm. carotene, right? Found in carrots, named after carrots, they're orange. Yep. They're, that's vitamin A, right? But it's mm-hmm. not really, your body doesn't use any carotene, you know? So it, right. it's a vitamin, but it's more like a pro-vitamin, meaning like your body yeah. has to convert it to retinol before you can use it. And if you have a 70% reduced conversion of vitamin A carotene to vitamin A retinol, then you're probably super deficient on vitamin A retinol. Um, Even if you're getting loads of carotene and you might even be supplementing a vitamin A 
carotene supplement, which most of them are, most of them are not retinol. Trust me, go on Amazon, look up vitamin A, and then look at the ingredients on the pills. It'll say carotene, right? Or some mixed yeah. carotenes or something like that on virtually all of them. Unless you're eating liver or doing cod liver oil or some animal form of vitamin A, you're not getting retinol. And again, some people that's no big deal, but a surprising number of people have that genetic issue. Yeah, so they're right, missing right. out on the testosterone boost. They're missing that testosterone boost because right. they don't know their so genetics. It's retinol. So there's two forms. You get one from carrots and one from animals. And the retinol is the one that does the magic. So that's the, good the, one. The, mm-hmm. the carrot one has to go through enzymes and pathways to become retinol where that actually goes and expresses genes and DNA to upregulate, God knows, a lot of pathways, but testosterone is a big player there. Oh yeah, exactly. And you could almost argue that retinol is a hormone, you know, it acts like a hormone in a lot of ways as well as a vitamin. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's hundreds of different things. It's never, it's never just one with these hormones, you know? No, no. What's your thoughts on uh, cholesterol? Like you did your PhD on cholesterol, was it? And and sex hormones? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's funny because into that a little bit. Oh yeah. Oh sure. (laughs) It's always a good conversation. what is it? Because there's so much BS and there's so much, you know, like rose colored glasses with the statins in the, in the medical profession. That's not really founded in, in, in reality. And like my, the, the advisor, my PhD advisor, he was on statins and he was, he'd brag about it. You know, he'd be like, I got the specific kind of statin that goes into your brain, you know, like as if that's some kind of a benefit. Right. <laughs> Funny thing is like the research doesn't support those ones as being you know, ideal at all. You know what I mean? Like they're looking to try and keep them out of your brain because obviously it causes a lot of cognitive issues for people. Yeah. Um, And so the, (laughs) I mean, there was a really good study. I think it was 2019 where they did 12. Yeah, exactly. And they looked at 12.8 or 12.9 million people. And they looked at the hazard ratio of, where their cholesterol was and what kind of kinds of diseases they ended up with, if any, and the people, to be honest, the people with their total LDL between 200 and like 250, that's optimal. Like it was actually more hazardous to be low than it was to be high. You know, of course, once you 250, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the LDL. Once you got a my old doctor doesn't like it being that high. (laughs) Well, once you get above 200, most doctors will say, Oh my gosh, you've got genetic issues with cholesterol. Statin. We need to get you statin. Yeah, and they, they pretend like it's a genetic issue. They don't even check your yeah. DNA. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And they, they say it must run in your family, right? And, yeah. and, and like I said, you should be above 200. You know what I mean? And yeah. if you get above 200, they want to prescribe you statins, which is ridiculous. So people should look that study up. I'll send it. I'll email it to you after this. So you, you've yeah, got a copy yeah. of that because it's yeah. such a powerful graph. Like when you see yeah. that, it's, I think it's like figure two. You see and that I'll hazard put, ratio. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll put it into this one too. You know, like mm-hmm. um, what, what a lot of people don't understand is that cholesterol is a precursor. Like, like what's it that? Um, you know, CoQ10 and things like that for brain, that the mitochondria, but it's also yeah. the precursor to all our sex hormones. That's the thing. Right? So if you've got low levels of cholesterol, you've got to, you're going to have low levels of sex hormones. Yeah, I know. And that's the <laughs> so, definition of a sex. I mean, the definition yeah. of a sex hormone is it's derived from cholesterol. Yeah. And you feel it too. Like, especially if you're low on cholesterol, like you're, these vegans, 
you know, they have terrible sex drive. Mm. And again, it's hard to find those studies because, you know, they don't admit to it when they're actually doing research or they just don't study it or whatever. There's some kind of a bias there, but yeah, you know, just ask them and give them a bunch of butter if they're honest enough to eat it and actually test for themselves, it shoots way up. You can feel it. You know, it's yeah, not, a, yeah. it's not subtle at all. <laughs> no, no. So yeah, that's, um, that cholesterol conversation is always an interesting one, but, um, it, what a lot of the doctors never talk about is that it's, um, the precursor to all our sex hormones. And it's also, you know, I think a third of the brain's weight is cholesterol. Is that right? I'm, I'm yep. not sure if yep. that's true. Yep. Yeah. No, so, that's exactly wow. right. Yep. So cholesterol is going for sex hormones. It's going for brain function. It's, it's in the central nervous system. I mean, if you want to lift weights, it's, it's there. It's playing a big role there too. It's, it's right. hugely important. So it's a conversation that needs updating, I think, from the government. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, I wish the government would just get out of the whole diet you know space to begin with because <laughs> there's too much yeah. influence and in money at least in america there's too much influence in money that pushes politicians to you know do certain things and say certain yeah. things it's just not even something people should have to deal with it's the same here it's the same but here. i mean at the end of the day the root cause of cholesterol or the, the root cause of plaques in the arteries is inflammation and then yeah. what happens the inflammation damages the the blood vessels damages the arteries then cholesterol has to come in and fix it so you find cholesterol at the site of the crime right you find it in the plaques Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean it's causing the plaque you know so usually the the only caveat i that people should know and that it is important to bring up if you do have outrageously high levels of cholesterol which some people have yeah and that is legitimate like familial hypercholesterolemia is what it's called um the cholesterol stays in your body so long that it, it gets oxidized. It reacts with oxygen in your blood and the cholesterol becomes inflammatory and actually that damages your arteries. So it becomes a form of inflammation. Right. Yeah. And then of course, it. yeah. And then of course it's bad in that situation. And that's where statins are, are really beneficial. But again, I mean, how many people are actually in that situation? It's super rare. Yeah. Well consider this concept, I, I guess like, Estrogenics are fueling that because they fuel inflammation. They fuel asthma. They fuel um, atherosclerosis, and you know it, it's they. They. I've seen a research paper, and I'll probably put it up here on screen for the viewers later. But it directly fuels oxidative stress and inflammation. So, yeah, yep. uh, and I think that came out after my book too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I might be wrong. You put it up on the paper, it'll be like 1994 on the screen and everybody's going to uh-huh. laugh, but you know. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, what I know came up after, my, after I published my book, they came out with a great sunscreen study in America yeah. where they, they literally put oxybenzone sunscreen, which is virtually all the sunscreen over here. I mean, they have a zinc sunscreen, but you have to basically order it because it's not in the stores. Yeah. And zinc sunscreen, by the way, I give it two thumbs up. It's great. But as long as it doesn't have oxybenzone or some of these estrogen chemicals. But again, they put, they did a full application of sunscreen on, on people. Seven days later, it was still, their blood levels of oxybenzone were still above the government's own recommended limits. And again, those limits are outrageously high, right? We're talking, we're talking about like turning frogs and male frogs into females, right? My goodness. So that was one application. You know, yeah, that came out again that after my book. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this, um, oxybenzone, it's in our sunscreen. 
and you rub it on your skin thinking you're protecting yourself it probably ages as faster paradoxically and um, seven days later it's still there but also double whammy it's baked onto the estrogen receptor so it's even more potently acting on estrogen receptors as it is and then to add to add more fuel to the fights go into our fat cells right exactly yeah and and one of the tricky things when people look it up on pubmed it's also called benzophenone 3 oxybenzone and benzophenone 3 are synonyms Yeah. So it's tricky because you kind of have to search for both of those things. And they've actually done fruit fly studies. You can, I think if you just search fruit flies and oxybenzone three, uh, benzophenone three, they've proven that it, it shortens their lifespan. So at least in fruit flies, which you have a super short lifespan and you can check and see if it shortens their lifespan, they've done that. It does. So you're actually yeah. right on point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it's, it's quite shocking. As, as we talked about at the beginning of this, you know, I'm cooking, a pork roast tonight and I normally put it, put it in an oven bag. And right. uh, that's kind of a no, no, now. <laughs> right. And, right. You know, yeah. That's classic. You know, I've been doing biohacking now for two and a half years. And, you know, until I read your book, I was, you know, I was just scratching the surface as to these estrogen mimics. I, I, I had no idea. And uh, I can't imagine how I feel you know, because I've completely limited. I'm trying to use your gold, plan that mm-hmm. you've got in, in your book and I'm, I'm going to buy a filter for my my water i've got tank water here but it's got a big plastic sack in it so that can't be good right right, right. So big well, plastic I, what sack. i have what i have is that i have it's all stainless steel there's a company called purify guru yeah. um and of course with covid you won't be able to get a hold of it for a while but it's it's actually reverse osmosis so it's got a cotton filter to get rid of the heavy particles, but then the next, it's got four stages, right? Yeah. First one's cotton. Second one is activated charcoal. Yeah. Third one is reverse osmosis. So it gets everything out. And then it has the fourth one is a remineralizer. So it puts magnesium and calcium back into it. Wow. Yeah. There's no tank. It has a pump built into it. So it's all stainless and then it pumps the water and you have to hook it up to your drain and stuff. Like the plumbing is a little complicated and I had to do it myself because you know, the, the, yep. they, the companies want to put their version in and their version always has the plastic storage tank. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So is, is this, um, something affordable? Can everyone call yeah, it? Yeah. It's four, like four or 500. Yeah. It's like four or 500 bucks. Yeah, yeah. Well that's, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the reverse osmosis just for, just to give people context, like the reverse osmosis system, I had the water companies, a bunch of different competitors come out to my house and give me yep. quotes and they were all over $1,000. So to yeah. do this one myself was 400. And I mean, you can probably even kind of see in the background, uh, here's is the thing for it. Yeah. So the only, the tricky part was I had to drill into the marble, you know, myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, like, uh, I'm kind of handy. I can do that sort of thing, yeah. but you could hire people for those little projects little if you things. can't do that part of it. But yeah, yeah, I'm glad I have it. Yeah, like, um, what about your thoughts on showering um, without it being filtered? Is is that a big issue? About which? About what? Um, showering without showering. Oh yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, what I do is I have a whole house filter, so I don't even have to worry about it. So I. Yeah. Technically, I actually have the estrogens removed before they even come to my water. And it's great. It made a huge difference, you know, in terms of how the water smells. Um, And I just use activated charcoal for that. I don't have multiple stages and all kinds of things. And I think that's 
that's pretty that's going pretty pretty extreme but yeah. earlier i mentioned michael skinner right who's got three thousand mm-hmm. mice at any given time <laughs> and he he thinks it's hopeless like he's much more pessimistic than i am he thinks we're literally going to become infertile as a species you know as in a few generations um, because that's what he sees in his animals right yeah and again i, I don't just, think i don't think it's that extreme yeah yeah i'll just read down in your book you've got the seven deadly things so i'm just going to read off them and just just choose one topic to just you know drive into we've already talked about fat gains and how uh how it's well, actually before i read the list fat gains the very first part of it um it actually changes gene expression. Is that right? To flip on a switch called PPAR gamma to make you fat. Yep. Yep. Just talk about that just a little bit. Oh yeah. I mean, the easy analogy is like a light switch, right? You know, like there's a gene that supposedly makes people fat. It's called FTO. It's fat transfer obesity gene. It's like the BBC did a whole one hour documentary just on that gene. You've heard of it. Right. I've got that. I've had my GM sequence oh, yeah. and I've got a 2.76 fold increase for the risk of obesity. Which Yeah. With that so gene. you've got one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what that is, is basically your fat cells just want to hold on to fat more and they don't want to go. There's actually a different type of fat called brown fat. So there's white fat that everybody knows about because you see it on a steak or something. But then there's actually brown fat, which is super healthy because it's so full of mitochondria. It actually burns energy yep. instead of just sitting there storing fat. And another thing most people don't realize, is there's actually an intermediate between those two called beige. So it's kind of light brown. And basically if those fat cells, if they're just flipping on this PPAR gamma switch and they're just storing fat all the time, it's obviously a risk for obesity. Did yeah, I lose you course. there? No, no. I lose no. you at the signal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. I just want to make sure, but, but yeah. no, so that's what, that's the difference is you can either have these genes or have like these estrogen chemicals turning on that switch to just sit and store fat yeah. or shift them and the, the other thing intermittent fasting by the way that shifts them towards the beige phenotype the beige color where they have more mitochondria oh, tough and that's my yeah. yeah that's my solution i think for people with that fto gene it's, it's a that's higher what i use exclusively yeah i i was first into, introduced to so I, I was trained as a personal trainer and that didn't work for me that what i was taught was so juxtaposed to what works for me isn't even funny i was um about 10 years ago, I, I was introduced to intermittent fasting and I've used it ever since. So sometimes yeah. I'll go till one o'clock, two o'clock, then I'll eat. Sometimes I'll go to 5.30 and uh, then I'll start eating at 5.30. So just depending on what ha- what's happening in the day. And it's, it's so liberating to not have to think about food. All right? You've got right. energy, right. you're burning your own body fat, you're sending that body fat to your brain to fuel your brain. I mean, that's success in and of itself, if you ask me especially if you've got crap genetics like myself, which I have. So yeah, like it's um, intermittent fasting, you know, it um, engages autophagy, which is, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, Japanese researcher, what was it back in 2016, Nobel prize. He won, he won the work for what he did in autophagy. So autophagy. Yeah. 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 But um, it's, it's a huge topic and, and um, it's, you know, it's something I think everybody benefits from. I mean, like I do these genetic consults like you know I talk about you know FTO gene intermittent fasting really important there's a bunch of thyroid genes like FOXE1 FOXE1 that's a yep. thyroid 
gene that's involved in autophagy in your thyroid gland. Intermittent fasting, super important for those people just for their thyroid hormones, right? There's a bunch of gut genes involved in, you know, like the regeneration of your gut tissue, intermittent fasting, the best for that. Like basically there's all these different categories. Some people it's the brain, right? Like you talked about, like for example, some people have an Alzheimer's risk related to a gene called CLU. It's clusterin is the name of the gene. CLU is the abbreviation. And that's another gene related to autophagy and just clearing crap out of your brain. Yeah. And, and basically, if you don't have that gene, you might have the FOXY1 gene in your thyroid. And if you don't have that one, you might have the FTO. Like you've got, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. seems like everybody's got at least one. Yeah. So anybody so, who says breakfast is the most important meal of the day just has <laughs> not, they haven't kept no, up on the science. <laughs> no, it, it's, it's quite simple. They've got lazy, sleepy genes that um, they have to be constantly fed. And that was me. You know, I was that person until I got this right and gained metabolic flexibility. And it's just right. really liberating to be able to go, you know, you wake up in the morning, I do cardio or weightlifting, go all the way to 5.30 in the afternoon, plenty of fuel, plenty of energy. Your body is, is, is like a superpower when you get this right and you pull down on that lever you know, of, of biohacking and you, you start ticking all the right boxes, starting all the, eating all the right foods that you are, you know, that, that really leverage performance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you, I mean, we met through our mutual friend, Ken Berry, who's also a big fan of intermittent fasting. And, mm-hmm. and if somebody's not a big fan of intermittent fasting, that might be a red flag these days. <laughs> yeah. It's such a clear, <laughs> it's such a clear thing. And there's so many doctors yeah. that aren't, but they just haven't been trained, you know, you know, that's it. That's it. Like my doctor, October, 2017, I had severe asthma. And it was getting to a point when my pop died of an asthma attack. And when, when I was 16, I saw that happen. It was, it's super scary. So in October, October, 2017, it got to a point for me where I thought that this could happen to me. So I asked my doctor, I said, what can I do? There's gotta be something I can do. And he said, basically you got to get rid of your cats because they're full of endotoxins and all this stuff that drives asthma and allergies. And you'll have to move because I live on the edge of town. There's lots of pollens around. And I didn't like that answer, but you know, that was a great answer, right? Because that's all he knew. That's all he knew how to do. But uh, that weekend I went searching and I found this place called PubMed. And then I found a, found it all about glutathione support and a vitamin D and all these things. It was way over my head. I didn't understand it. So I had to reach out for help, but I got this right in the beginning of January, pulled down on the lever with nutrition and then, you know, uh, all the all these different things that I, how I had to do to support my asthma, and I haven't had asthma back since. Twenty seven yeah. months I've been asthma wow. free. So, That's awesome. You know, I'm not surprised um, either. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the estrogens don't help either. You know, all these fragrances and all that crap. They're certainly not helping. And the glutathione gene is called GSTP1. That one gives you a three and a half fold increased risk for asthma. One of those particular gene variants. Yeah. So it's clearly linked to glutathione. Yeah. yeah. I've got a hyperactive angiotensin system as well, ACE, ACE2. So that's not good for the COVID, <laughs> yep, apparently. Yep, yep. So I'm, I'm yeah. at a disadvantage there. But um, yeah, anyway, I no, think I'm I mean, pretty healthy the, otherwise. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think, I think the real risk is, you know, 40% obesity in America. That's the real risk. And, you know, people yeah. that can't even walk up a flight of steps without just absolutely huffing and puffing. Of course, yeah. they're going to struggle to clear phlegm out of their lungs for three days straight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's going to be difficult for them. So let's have a look at this, uh, this list, the 
the deadly seven. So we talked about fat gains. We've also got depression, number two. Number three, hormonal disruption. Number four, immune dysfunction. Number five, blood clotting. Number six, cancer. And number seven, infertility. So which one of those do you think is important to talk about? I mean, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all I, well, of I think, them. I, so. I think, well, no, well, I think the best way to think about it is natural pregnancy gone wrong or natural, like a dysfunctional version of natural pregnancy. Because, you know, when a woman gets pregnant, her estrogen goes from 20 to 200, like I was saying, all the way up to the thousands. So that's when they're, when, yeah. it, when our natural estrogen does go in the thousands and what happens then? Well, number one, you get fatter, right? Which is a natural thing. It's not bad because your body stores more fat when you're pregnant because you need that nutrition. Our ancestors didn't always have food, you know? So it's, it's important that you have that storage form. The fat is the most efficient storage form for energy. But what also happens, right? Well, obviously you're infertile, you know, like, you know, your fertility is going to shift if you, if you, but um, breast tissue development, right? So in guys, you see a lot of gynec mass, you see man boobs. In women, you see breast cancer just skyrocketing, you know? So that's another one that kind of imitates pregnancy. Um, and it, but again, it's not exactly the same. It's like a dysfunctional version of natural pregnancy. Depression, right? I mentioned before, postpartum depression. Even in kids, if you have higher BPA in their urine, you see a lot more depression. Um, which is crazy, wow. you know, you get yeah. depression in children. And then of course the atrazine mm. with the farmers, I talk about that story in my book where there's just crazy amounts of suicide mm. among the farming community after they introduced atrazine in India. Oh, um, and wow. everybody's, so they're, they're, everybody's they're saying, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Like I never even thought about it. like the, the poor farmers, like if, if they're busy and they're stressed to try and get through the day, forget to put their protective clothes on or whatever, or even told to do this and they're breathing this stuff in the, the right. levels must be like astronomical for these poor farmers. Yeah. And they don't even know about it. I mean, yeah. the ones I know, they don't wear any respirators or anything like that, which I think is crazy, you know? Yeah. And then of course yeah. the cancer, you know, like I say, the breast cancer goes up. There's a bunch of different kinds of cancer. Um, the immune system. The interesting thing about the immune system is, uh, when you know when you have like natural estrogen scientists say natural estrogen is immunosuppressive and immunostimulative which totally doesn't make sense (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that and 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 to be honest they just say we don't understand it 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 just activates your immune system and shuts it down and the reason for that is of course if you have if when you're pregnant you, you can't have your body destroy the fetus. So you have to suppress the immune system when that estrogen shoots oh, up. Makes but sense. then you also have to fight off infection more than ever, perhaps. So you actually need a heightened immune system. So there's different parts of the immune system. And the immune system is so complicated that we just yeah. don't understand it fully anyways. Mm. Um, I mean, there, everybody, I, you know, everybody I talk to, all these top scientists, if you ask them, what are some of the areas in research we know nothing about? The immune system always comes up and the brain always comes up because you can't study those without screwing them up, you know? Um, But, and I've eaten lunch with three different Nobel prize winners just to give context. And I've asked all three of them that, and they all have said that just so you know, but, (laughs) but so so immunostimulative, immunosuppressed. So obviously if you have, if you have some of these artificial estrogens and you 
tamper with those the, that delicate balance between immunosuppression and immunostimulation, mm. you're you're triggering a lot of potential immune system problems. Right? Yeah, well, exactly what we're talking about. We are disrupting the endocrine system when we let these things come into the body, they are causing a whole host of it. The biggest problem I think people face is it's not immediate. They don't get immediate feedback, do they? Right. That's, it, yep, it, yep, it happens exactly. like, I guess, when your testosterone lows, you just, you know, we have a glass of milk <laughs> and it drops way down. You probably find that as your mood's kind of gone. But right, um, right. what the worst problem I, I can see is that over decades, it just has these devastating effects on us. Inflammation is dri driven up. We make poorer food choices. We're driven towards these estrogenic foods, which I now call estrogenic um, slave food, <laughs> basically. And what's um, more con concerning is that, you know, gluten's got a really bad name in wheat, but we've got astrazine and gly glysulfate in, and plus we've got mycotoxins in there, as I read in your book. So, Maybe it's not just the gluten that play here. Maybe it's the mycotoxins, the you know, all this stuff playing into it. But then also in your book, it's just starting to pour out of my head at the moment. You talked about the opioid receptors in soy. Oh yeah, they're addictive. Yeah. Addictive. So soy is addictive. And I actually last night went and did a bit of research for myself, and I found that milk is the same. It's got these opioids yeah. in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so it was. They, so yeah, they call it soy. They call it soy morphine. They call it gluteomorphine, and they yeah. call it uh, caseinomorphine. All three of yeah. those, yeah. <laughs> so milk, and spinach. Wheat. Oh, that's right. Spinach, spinach yeah. is the only other one that's. I think there's like four major morphines from these plant yeah. from these food items. And yeah. spinach. The unique thing about that particular morphine is that it, it doesn't usually go through your gut lining, so you don't find it. Whereas like soy morphine and gluteomorphine and caseinomorphine from the milk, you'll find it in like breast like breast milk for mothers and you find it in people's blood and all this kind of stuff so yeah. not only are you getting it but you're transferring that addiction to your children oftentimes wow <laughs> yeah so that's that kind of explains my addiction to wheat and bread and uh, milk and you know, big frothy cappuccino all these things yeah yep. and yep. um I think the cappuccino cup that's probably full of um plastic linings that's going to leach out more estrogenetics I mean, oh, you yeah. turn left, yeah. you turn right. It, it's everywhere. <laughs> I know. That's why I think at least for most people, the key is to get rid of the big ones. Like I say, filter yeah. your water, change your personal care products so you're not rubbing the stuff on your skin constantly. Yeah. Like at least do the major ones. And then every once in a while, if you're going to, like when I drive around, like say I, I've got to give a talk, I got to get on an airplane, I got to rent a yeah. car, whatever. Of course, I'm some bottled water once in a while it's not yeah. that big of a deal i try not to to be honest i do try mm. and get a glass bottle but mm. you know at the end of the day you're gonna you're probably gonna have to do some things which is the culture that we live in yeah you but just at least make... get the big ones at least get the major ones right yeah t take them out straight away uh I, I guess organic is means a whole new thing now doesn't it yeah, that's why I try and know the farmers, you know, I buy like mm. a half a cow directly, you know, or mm. I try and I, I mean, tomorrow, my wife or Tuesday, two days from a couple of days from now, my wife's picking up 50 chickens, you know, that are free range. We know the farmer, they're out in the field, mm. rummaging around eating <laughs> bugs, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's the way to do it, I think, these days. Yeah. Well, you've got a great plan in, in the back of your book. So that's what people need to do is buy your book and read the back of that plan because you've got a goal, 
a silver and a bronze there. So people can start with the bronze and work their way up over time. And I think that's a, that's the best approach. I'm actually on the silver plan right now. So <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the easiest way to understand what's going on. So th- th- I guess just go straight to the back of the book, pick your, right. pick the plan that you want and then start reading the book. So your brain will go, well, this is important. We have to do this, you know, like it's, it's not just for you and me. It's like for our kids, the generations to come. I mean, the animals on the planet, like the the fish study that you had in there over a lifetime, it it basically castrates them. It's, they lose their fertility, completely lose their fertility and short term. What is it? 50%, something like that. It's just shocking to think that, where you know our technology that is pouring into the oceans is pouring to the lakes and into the soils is doing this to our planet right and that was just one exposure to the female fish it wasn't even like they kept exposing mm. her or they didn't mm. they didn't expose the mother fish and mm. the and the offspring yeah. they just exposed the mother one time and then f- gave her fresh water for the rest of her life i mean that was the crazy thing right it's like so yeah. unbelievable <laughs> Yeah, so quick. It's just it's um yeah. It's uh, if you think about that coming into to, to to our system and people with infertility problems, maybe this is you know, maybe it's not the cause, but maybe it's driving heavily into it. It's a big lever that they can pull down on and get rid of out of their life. And yep, yeah, for sure, probably, it's a lot cheaper than ten thousand dollars of treatment of IVF or whatever they're doing. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. More effective. I've seen it happen a lot. I've seen infertility shift completely in a ton of people. You know, that's one of the big testimonials. The two big testimonials I get are fertility and my uh, my testosterone doubled or whatever. You know, yeah, which are so both awesome things. You know, I think the other stuff, huge longer term stuff, is still massively important. But yeah, you know, it's all it's all really important. It's just nice to see that it actually has an effect you know like yeah, it's, like, it's immediate enough to notice <laughs> yeah yeah so like you know reading your book and going to those plans you know you, you can literally double your testosterone in a short amount of time by stopping these things from coming into the system and right. you know a few other strategies that we've talked about here like the sauna as well to help get these this stuff out of our bodies much faster and just to realize that when you're trying to lose weight these these estrogens are coming flooding the body and they can make you feel bad but you just got to keep with it you've got to keep sticking sticking with it i think is is one of the big take-homes here right Mm. yeah i agree and and you know putting on some muscle mass helps you Mm. know it's like all the it's all a, a it's either a vicious cycle spiral downward or it's, a, mm. you know, like a, a, a feedback loop upward yeah. and you want to get on that feedback loop in the upward direction and just keep pushing, you know, until you get into a spot where you are. Like, like you said, man, you cured your asthma. Mm. There's a lot of, you know, and, and it wasn't because somebody gave you a drug. You know what I mean? That's it. That's <laughs> it. I mean, it's just diet change. It was, it's just it's cool. so, it's so yeah. simple. Yeah, like uh, my whole theory in life now is to become a fully self-contained unit. So you don't need anything outside of you to keep all the systems humming along the way they should be. So the first thing you've got to do is eliminate these estrogenic foods coming into the system and then the the creams that we're rubbing on our cells and the soaps and then lavender. Holy crap, I didn't know lavender (laughs) was a problem. And the first thing I asked my wife, I said, have you got any lavender in the house? Right. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that study was, that was huge. Yeah. 
Right, I, and they're still doing it. new stuff. Even after the book came out, they're putting out new stuff with the Endocrine Society, talking about lavender as an endocrine disruptor and estrogen mimicking uh, you know, hormone disruptor, all this stuff. So it's not like one isolated study. The thing that people that I get all the time on the lavender, I get pushback on lavender because a lot of healthy people, they've done amazing work to clean up all their stuff, but they still have that lavender essential oil. Yeah. You know? and, and it is important. It's anti-inflammatory. So it does have some benefits in the research studies. But again, it's like, we already have so much of these estrogens. Why mm. add another one on top? There's other ways to get anti-inflammatory substances or be decrease your inflammation, right? Yeah, well, autophagy, fasting, and also beta-hydroxybutyrate ketones. I mean, that that's yep. powerfully, that uh, NLRT3P inflammasone, it, it, it yep, inhibits yep. that one from, from going up. So, yep. Yep, I mean, exactly. yeah, diet yeah, there's is a gene, such a powerful. Hmm. There's a gene called NOD2 that a lot of these, uh, a lot of people have major gut issues when they have the plus plus NOD2 genes. Um and ketosis is by far the best solution for that because the NOD2, it actually increases inflammasomes. It triggers inflammasomes. Right. And that's exactly why ketones are the way to go um, or getting into ketosis. But, but yeah, I mean, the, what, what a lot of people say with the lavender is they say, well, but my brand is good, right? Like, <laughs> oh, in those studies, they use a cheap brand or whatever. But, it, but now yeah. they've done studies on multiple different brands. They use 100% pure lavender essential oil. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah. if you're going to throw out those studies because, because of that issue, it's like you can pretty yeah. much throw out any study you want. You can kind of pick yeah. and choose and say, well, I don't trust yeah. that study because they don't use this brand or whatever. Yeah. And so my, my, my suggestion is use your lavender product, do the estrogen studies and prove that it doesn't disrupt your estrogen. But until then, let's assume that it does. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, That's, that's the best approach that in your book, you've got all the, at the, at the end of it, in the appendix of all the principles. And I mean, they are short, quick and easy to read and they make a lot of sense. Like when it comes to Thanks. reading studies, like, you know, a lot of them are biased to these studies because they get their buddies, you know, the peer reviewed studies. I get their oh, yeah. bodies to say, yeah, this is a good study, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 There's a yeah. ton of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That was a kind of eye happening to me. And as you mentioned, like a lot of the doctors don't even realize this is going on. Oh yeah. None of them hardly because they're not actively doing research, you know? I mean, there's some exceptions, but, but yeah, it's, it's frustrating. The CEOs of these big pharma companies, they know, you know, of course, mm they kind of sweep it under the rug a little bit. They're not out talking about it, but if you'd lunch mm. with them and talk to them, which I have, you know, they, mm. they certainly know a lot of the science is BS out there. A lot of these studies I've had them say, uh, 70% of the studies are BS. You can't even trust, you know, right. Yeah. That's how and high you, of a number it is. And you've got guidelines at the back of your book to, to weed out the, these studies as well. Right. Mm. You have to. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of what, you know, when I first um, started doing my own research, I was kind of biased as well because, you know, uh, the Western diet took so much from me and I got stuck on the keto train. I just didn't want to hear nothing but keto, all good stuff about keto. So I was biased there myself. But um, you've got to really look at um, 
at the study and see if there's any conflicts of interest and you know, all these things that you talk about in your book. So then you'll know that it's not biased and then you can go, well, this is pretty good. Then pull down on that lever and see how it works for you. Right. Right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the reasons keto works so well for a lot of people is because they have those fats full of estrogens. Right. And, and when you start burning fat, you start to get those out of your system. So there's this yeah. like, there's this toxic, there's this highly toxic period for a week or something, keto flu, all this. Yeah. And then you kind of get over that. Obviously you're changing over a lot of your metabolism as well. It's not mm. just one thing. It's a lot of stuff going on, but yep. it's, it's a part of it for sure. I think. Absolutely. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, if you think about what's going on there, it's flooding the system, lowering your, your free T, which is going to affect how you build muscle, maintain muscle. It's going to affect, how you lose fat it's going to affect your brain in a, in, a, in a negative way but it's only it's only temporary you'll get through it for me it was about a month really until i started feeling you know really amazing but mm. the first week I, I started to come back online when i started to get this right asthma was gone because i think the, the main reason asthma went so quick is because i started to support glutathione for the first time with nac mm. and acetylcysteine mm-hmm. yeah and because i was producing ketones and it was um, it's inhibiting inflammation through that NLRP3 inflammasome. I think mm-hmm. that just was just everything that I needed to quell the asthma, get the glutathione back up where it needs to be for the, for the support the lungs. And yeah, I haven't looked back since. Right. Hmm. Well, that's impressive, man. I appreciate you reaching all the way from Australia to find me and, <laughs> <laughs> and really reading my book. You know, a lot of people, yeah. I do in a lot of interviews and, a lot of them have kind of skimmed it, but a lot of them haven't even read it. And you can tell it, it, I think it makes for a better discussion because, you know, you're kind of, you've got the numbers more fresh in your head than I do. <laughs> That's right. Well, yeah, I've read it twice. So, and I've got highlights everywhere. So I, I, I highlight something yellow. Then when I take it out and extract it and put it into my research notes, I turn it pink. So I know that I've done awesome. it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Breast cancer <laughs> awareness. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. Man. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah all right i uh, covered a lot here dr anthony and uh, i am truly grateful for, for you spending the time with me to to do this where can people learn more about you yeah i oh, guess AJ Con- my website is ajconsultingcompany.com which is a terrible not very memorable name for a website i'll link but- it I'll link it. Appreciate no, it. No problem. But yeah, that's, no. that's basically my main, my main project that I do is I, I, I mean, I work for the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota as a research scientist, but I also do DNA consulting um, to help people understand their genetics and their, yeah. and what, how to optimize your health, take it to the next level. And that's the AJ consulting company. Yeah. I, I find uh, when I got, after I got my genome sequenced, it kind of ticked, it helped me understand why I was a poor learner at school, had poor comprehension. Hmm. Uh, acetylcholine, like I, I read a research paper by Professor Walton from MIT and he said, nutritionally, you need inside your brain three things for that first outreach of intelligence, synaptogenesis, uridine, a DNA base, DHA, docosahexaenoic acid and omega-3. And you also need acetylcholine, phosphatidylcholine. Mm-hmm. Phosphatidylcholine, right. Yeah. So my body takes the precursor choline and turns mm-hmm. it into phosphatidylcholine very slowly. Mm. And I hardly got any of that precursor. So I'd be reading a book even, you know, before I knew this and I, it'd just be hard. I just, 
found it difficult to read and comprehend and it was really difficult. But as soon as I got that right, no problem yep. at all. I mean, just that yeah. one thing. And I, that was right. from having my genome sequenced and having it read by an expert like yourself. So people yeah. like you can take people to the next level. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. Once you pull down the lever and get rid of your inflammation and your estrogenic slave diet, so to speak, then you can reach out to people like yourself and take it to in a, a really high level. Yeah, I appreciate I that. No, that's phenomenal. I mean, my, my secret strategy for keto, like for, I, I basically just eat loads of egg yolks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like I. my recipe. That's my recipe book. Just lots yep. of egg yolks. <laughs> yep. that, I throw the me, whites man. away. <laughs> Same. Like at least six egg yolks a day is what I'm going through. Same. So, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah so, and they're, they're packed full of vitamins and minerals as well. They're just a, a superfood basically. And you've got to get the right ones. Though yep. <laughs> you got to make sure oh, you yeah. get the right ones. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, you know, just just that in closing, I know I have to say this story because I was doing some research on some of these artificial dyes, and there's a yellow dye, like an orange yellow dye, that they actually feed the chickens yeah. to make the egg yolks darker oh, to make no. them look better. And you know how how bad they are already, right? Like mm. the 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 industrial eggs are so watery and so light yellow compared to the free range yolks, yeah. which are like dark orange. Um, but, but they're not even, even naturally, they're not even that color because they're feeding the chickens a specific dye chemical oh, to no. try and darker. So it's, it's worse than it even looks, oh, which is, no. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and I just oh. bumped into that one day. Oh, but anyway, yeah. that, that, that's, that's something that um, I'm going to put in my, um, my research. <laughs> that yeah, is yeah. crazy i mean <laughs> that's just adding fuel to so many other fires in the metabolism yeah right. i just uh, yeah. one one more thing your mm -hmm. the omega 6 to 3 ratio what's your thoughts on that inflammation when it's too high yeah i haven't studied it enough but i mean i tend towards the omega 3s but yeah. Yeah. i don't i mean to be honest i don't know enough about that yeah okay so yeah, the research that I've done, um, if you've got an omega-3 ratio, say four to one and lower, that's pretty good. 10 to one, it, it's, it's constitutively producing low-grade inflammation, depleting serotonin and a whole host of other things. So mm. there's, a, there's a lot of research behind it there. So I think a lot of people have already got a high omega-6-3 ratio because if you go out and have junk food or any kind of western food it's the omega-6 to 3 ratio is kind of like this right and it's already oh, yeah. going to be that so right. if you're not eating a lot of fish or taking fish supplements and you've got no clue what these omegas or what we're even talking about are more than likely you've got low-grade inflammation and uh, that's going to fuel you know bad decisions and estrogenic food and you know all these things that we do and make us feel tired and weak and it just gets worse as we get older 